this season on More and More Every Day. Let's do something together every day to be better oral historians. I don't know about you, but I love a daily task, whether it's a writing prompt to get me focused or a quick icebreaker to start class discussion. I love short, easy challenges. That's why this season's 10-minute or so episodes will feature experts, like-minded colleagues, resources, and things I'm learning along the way. But each episode will also end with a prompt, something you and I can do that day to improve our skills as oral historians. I'm your host, Summer Sherland. Let's do this. Welcome back. We are nearing the end of our second season of the More and More Everyday podcast. And as we do, I'd like to take some time to hear from colleagues and practitioners of oral history. So that's why the next several episodes are all titled the same, the best advice I ever got. In each episode, I interview an oral historian about what brought her to our craft, suggestions for enterprising oral historians like you and me, and the best advice she ever got. Each episode and interview will bring up ideas and prompts for you, and I want you to be creative here. Design your own prompt based on your own interests, along with what strikes you in the interview. For instance, one of our experts may suggest a book or an article to read, or she might mention something that she's trying to work on and always trying to improve. Use her recommendations or what she's working on as inspiration for your own daily challenge. Let's get started. Today, we're talking with Dr. Farina King of Northeastern State University and the current president-elect of the Southwest Oral History Association. In Navajo, we introduce ourselves by our clan. Farina King Um, I am of white English American settler descent on my mother's side and born for the towering house clan and black streaked woods people clan of the Navajo Nation. This calls out to my kin and relatives and I am an assistant professor uh, under review for tenure, fingers crossed, at Northeastern State University in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, Jalagi, um, homelands of the Cherokee Nation and United Katua Band of Cherokees. And I'm an affiliate of Cherokee and Indigenous Studies. I also see myself as a, an oral historian. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So, Farina, how were you introduced to oral history? I didn't know it was called oral history, it mainly was stories, talking stories, right? Um, with family and just listening to family, visiting with them. And I loved hearing stories of my elders and that began with my family, of my uncles and my aunties, especially. Um, Unfortunately, my grandparents passed away, but my great aunts and uncles and my aunties and uncles and even my cousins are um, my seniors to me and they shared stories of boarding school, of war, life, hardship, um, especially as Dene. But I also was drawn to stories from all my relatives, including on my mom's side, her family in Michigan. Um, Again, on my mom's side, I didn't know my grandparents very well. Uh, My grandmother passed away when I was young. So it was through the stories that I was really coming to know people who I knew were important to my parents. And I would even just go and 
talk to, I didn't know I was interviewing, but I just was because I was curious and asking elders questions. So I even had neighbors who were from England and Wales and lived through World War II. So I would visit them and just start questioning them and listening to them about their war experiences and life through such a horrible war. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. And what is your favorite thing about doing or using oral history in your work? Um, as I said, I, I, as a young, it really was in my youth and adolescent that I started interviewing or just listening and, and talking with people. And then I realized this is how I connected with history. It was through these living histories, the archives and libraries of people's minds right in front of me, people who I knew or came to know and connected with. And so for me, um, it, that passion to connect and, and the love for community that would build through sharing stories, exchanging stories, it became a learning methodology for me that I continue to practice and pursue through my academic studies and in my general everyday activities as well and practices. So I love that I can get to know people and exchange and connect with them through listening and sharing stories. Mm, agreed. Is there a book or article that you think is really relevant for aspiring oral historians? Yes, so I recommend an award-winning book recently celebrated by the Oral History Association is uh, Napia Mahukia's Rethinking Oral History and Tradition, an Indigenous Perspective, published by Oxford um, recently. And I love his work, the, this work, because um, it's helped me to think about how there's not one way to do oral history and you know one people's ways of understanding history through oral sources and the orality of different cultures and peoples it doesn't cancel out another people's way of doing that right or it doesn't need to minimalize that and it's so important to understand um, diverse peoples, and I think especially indigenous peoples because of histories of the impacts of colonialism, specifically settler colonialism and imperialism and the ongoing power dynamics of controlling and marginalizing a people. And, and that's happened by being dismissive of a people's ways of oral history and, and where the confusion can come up of what's oral tradition, what's oral history. But these are the ways that indigenous people who are traditionally oral societies, you know, that's the ways um, indigenous peoples have preserved and carried on their stories has been uh, through oral uh, mediums. That is history, it is, um, though it has been overlooked as such. Great. Do you have any advice for oral historians or people interested in oral history? I recommend learning as much as you can about different um, approaches to oral history. There's various sources out there, especially through organizations like the Oral History Association and the Southwest Oral History Association that Summer and I are a part of. And something I'm just learning is 
we constantly have to learn how to listen because every person has their own story and they have their own ways of sharing that story. And sometimes it takes adjusting your ear or learning the protocol of what's you know appropriate, what questions are appropriate to ask, even you know the way that we engage in conversations and um, listening and talking sessions or, or all the kind of uh, technologies that are brought in like recording now and audio and visual, you know, what is the protocol? What is seen as acceptable, appropriate and comfortable for that person um, and where they're coming from and their communities and what it means to their respective communities. So that's what I recommend is um, don't stop learning, even whatever stage you're at, continue to and, and be humble in that, that uh, becoming a, a strong adaptive listener means you will mess up and you'll <laughs> need to sometimes apologize for that and be ready to adjust and, and work with these relationships that you're building because I often I see oral history as a relationship it's a it's a learning approach of relationship building because you have this direct connection with the people even if you're listening to oral histories that were done by someone else or before you're having that moment of them connecting and hearing from a person their story and something intimate and direct even if they may be guarded in those responses, I think that's still a relationship, whether it's uh, seen as more direct or indirect in a way. So that that's what I recommend to people is think about it in terms of these relationships. It's a methodology of relationship building, and that means you'll need to learn how to navigate those uh, each particular relationship. Uh, Farina, what is the best piece of advice you ever got? And do you remember who gave it to you about oral history? Well, I think some of the best advice I ever got was technically, well, he it was my uncle and he wouldn't necessarily call himself an oral historian, but he was because he carried the stories of Navajo code talkers. And I learned a lot from him about oral history because he taught me about protocol and how that differs you know even being a veteran he would say to me farina as a i was a teenager when i started to ask him questions about his experience in world war ii and he would say there are some things i cannot tell you because when i came home i had to be um cleansed and go through ceremony so there's just some things i cannot tell you you know and Something he taught me is, he said, know your family, know where you come from. And I think that's an important part that maybe people don't wanna think about with oral history because we often think about, okay, it's about the narrator. But for me, it's become important to, um, again, see the oral history process as a part of relationship building. So that means for the person to talk to me and understand as well, what am I carrying with me? Like, is this interview going to be archived somewhere in a library or um, at a university in particular? Um, is it going to be shared? You know, how to communicate that because there, there are these levels of what that oral history means. So for me, um, my uncle taught me, know who you are, continue to know who you are and, and your positionality. And that's important in almost everything I do and especially oral history. 
And um, he taught me as well, you have to learn to listen and listen with respect and respect people. And that there's different ways to show that respect and to learn about it. So I'm grateful for my uncle Albert for teaching me that before he passed on. Thank you. As an oral historian, what's one thing you've alluded to some of this, but what's one thing you've been working on yourself to improve and how can we use that as a challenge for our listeners today? I think something that I've been working on to improve in oral history is making a a new connection and developing a relationship with a partner, someone who is not in, how do you call it? You know, we can get into our cliques of like, yeah, I'm comfortable with this community and, and listening in this community and working with this population. But to be able to practice and get out of your comfort zone and go to, you know, um, another people's community in terms of where it's safe and you're welcome. So, you know, don't it's not to just barge in on a community and be like, oh, I'm here to listen. But, for example, with tribal nations, there's many diverse cultures. So I, I work especially with Native American and indigenous peoples. And so what I recommend to everyone, because a lot of our listeners are based in the United States or maybe you're somewhere else and and there's an indigenous community who identify in that way, that kind of term, Um, especially, you know, in countries like Australia, New Zealand, um, all over, you know, Sami people in Europe, for example. But um, I recommend, you know, look into their cultural resources that are public, that they want the public to know about, that um, a lot of, more than people realize, tribal nations have museums or cultural centers and learn about, you know, start to learn about their oral history practices and, you know, go into it trying to divest yourself of prejudgments of like, oh, this is legend this is myth, you know, that's a big part of the book I recommended um, about rethinking oral history from an indigenous perspective is go, you know, to connect, especially with a lot of these museums and centers since COVID-19, but even before then they've been digitizing different resources, including oral histories. And I recommend, you know, go to these resources and start to learn and listen to an oral history from a community that you are not so familiar with to learn about, and especially from their community-based resources, because there have been other projects done that come from outside of their community. So to recognize those differences as well of when it's a community-based project or or one of um, consent from, from a larger consensus of the community, um, there's different projects, and and check one of those out. You know, listen to them, and divest yourself, as I said, of the prejudgments of well, this is oral tradition, their storytelling versus this is oral history. But just learn about the ways that they talk um, about themselves, their people, and their history. You know, I recommend check out even one. You know, tribal nation. Here I here I am in uh, Telequa, Oklahoma, for example. And before I moved here, I had never heard of the Katua people. Mm-hmm. I never heard of them. I didn't know anything about their history. And I just walked into the John Hare Cultural Center and Museum, and I met the director, Ernestine Berry, and she is a walking archive and library of her in her mind. And she was sharing all these oral histories and um, 
culture, different knowledge with me. And I was just learning how to listen and learning from her um, about her people and their heritage. So it helps us already to get out of our comfort zone of just be open to learn about another people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be indigenous, right? It could be um, other people who are black, indigenous people of color, especially. How do their communities share these stories um, when it, when they welcome people? And, and, you know, that's where I think you need to be able to be careful to navigate and measure what what you are being invited to access and then some areas not to push or or trespass and so i know people have concerns about that but there are many resources that are clearly like open to the public and those communities respective communities want people to visit and mm. to learn from mm. wonderful uh dr farina king where can our listeners find you if they'd like to connect with you Awesome. I have a website, so check it out, farinaking.com. So that's where you can learn more about me, upcoming events I'm involved in. I'm actually having a panel with uh, Director Ernestine Berry tomorrow about service learning and oral history. As I told you, it just began with me going out and visiting um, the John Hare Cultural Center and Museum of the United Katua Band, and I went and visited with her and then we eventually developed relationships professionally and worked together with some of my classes in public history and oral history and um, had students practice with um, her even oral history. And it's quite remarkable. Uh, there's a direct example of the connection between teaching and oral history and then um, promoting you know, research and learning about her people with her um, partnership, you know, that shared authority of her guiding us with what is the protocol of Katua and what is the approach that we should take. So I've been learning a lot with her and we're having a panel tomorrow with her through the um, American Indian Symposium. It's free, all virtual this year, running all this week, April 12th to the 17th, 2021. I'm not sure if when this podcast will go up, you might miss it, unfortunately. But even if you do, um, a lot of these uh, sessions will be recorded and available at a later date, which you can find out at the NSU Center for Tribal Studies Facebook page. And you can go to um, an official website of the NSU American Indian Symposium. You can look that up. Um, all that information is online. And I'm having that session with her tomorrow at 1 p.m. Central Time online. And you go to our agenda on the NSU American Indian Symposium to listen to a conversation with uh, Director Ernestine Berry, me, um, Midge Dillinger, who's now the oral historian, a SOHA member as well, um, and active with the group, and is now the oral historian of, of the Muscogee Creek Nation, and uh, a recent graduate student of mine, Tegan Dreyer, who was involved in these classes of service learning and oral history with um, Cherokee and Diné communities as well that I've tied in. So I hope you check this out and please, you know, my contact information is on my webpage so you can reach out to me if you'd like to that way too. Thank you. Awesome. So thank you, Dr. King, for joining us. Um, we really appreciate you and best of luck with your panel. When, the, uh, when this episode goes live, it will be after your panel airs, but we will link to the website that you suggested in the show notes so people can check it out after the fact. Yep, I'd be glad to share that. Thank you. We want to hear from you. Tell us how you did today at SMCC History. Use the hashtag more and more every day on Instagram and Twitter. 
Our email is historysouthmountain at gmail.com. And I hope you follow us, write a review, or suggest us to a colleague. More and More Every Day is brought to you by the South Phoenix Oral History Project at South Mountain Community College in partnership with the Southwest Oral History Association. Music by Noah Gattel.